For important disclosure information, please visit acgwealthmanagement.com forward slash podcast disclosure. Hello and welcome to ACG Wealth Management's Beer Markets. I'm joined with my colleague, uh, Sandy Wiggins, and uh, my name is Bobby Moyer. Good to be here, Bobby. Well, Sandy, it's uh, April 18th. A lot's going on. Today's tax day. Yep. Uh, Maybe a, a day to, to, have a, a beer. to actually have a beer and, you know, be happy that that part is behind us. Yep. Um, and today I'll I'm jump in. I'm drinking Legends Brewing Hazy Days IPA. Uh, Legends is a brewery located here in Richmond. They've actually opened here in Richmond in 1994. They've kind of been around a lot longer than uh, this hype over the last maybe, what, seven, eight years of, of breweries popping up everywhere, including the Richmond area. And, and Legends Brewery is a, a great place down in the old Manchester district. They have a, you know, you get food down there, you know, on the river. So uh, I think they're mostly known for their brown ale. Uh, that's the first one I had years ago when I moved here. Uh, but today uh, I tend to like hazy IPAs and, and that's what I'm drinking. Never had it, so I'm excited to give it a shout. I'll give it a try. Sounds good. I'm going to have a hazy IPA as well from Wicked Weed. It's uh, a coastal love is the particular beer, and and uh, they've got a great story there in Nashville, North Carolina, and a portion of the sales uh, proceeds from this particular beer go to hurricane relief in the southeast. So. Uh, sounds like hazy IPAs, the uh, the beer of the day today. Yeah, yeah, I'm a fan of uh, Wicked Weed and, and hazy IPAs as well. So uh, we'll enjoy that. We'll we'll talk a little bit of the markets. It sure has been, you know, a pretty wild maybe month. You know, it was a month ago we were doing this. Maybe five weeks ago we did our last one, and it was right on the brink of Silicon Valley Bank. And you know, there was a lot of concern out there of you know the the impact and how it's gonna filter through the 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 finance and banking and lending and, and all that sort of thing. But for the most part, Sandy, it's it's kind of stabilized. We've closed out, and, and I'll go over some numbers here in a minute, but uh, surprising, you know, the, the, the banking industry has stabilized. The government stepped in a little bit. I, th- I think there's still some concerns about lending and the economy and maybe some commercial real estate. But for the most part, um, you know, the filtering through the rest of the economy or the banking sector, maybe we got through some of that. Yeah, you talk about um, the the government stepping in. The Fed balance sheet obviously is higher as a result of that than it's been in in some time. Um, And then we had Janet Yellen's comments over the weekend indicating that the tightening within lending might be just what we need. One more last little adjustment to the to the Fed's strategy of, of uh, slowing down the economy without necessarily a, a rate increase. Yeah, I'll tell you, we'll, we'll get into some of that here in a bit. And, you know, this has to be the most hated rally uh, bull market that in, in many years. You know, everybody's just so pessimistic. And looking at some of the numbers, you would think of a banking crisis and, you know, a lot of people were running for the sidelines. And, you know, since the March lows, the March 13th lows, the S&P's up, you know, almost 8% over that period of time. Um, you know, you've got even bonds are positive, which you'd expect with, you know, rates where they went. Uh, but, you know, that, that's just been a real, a real big rally here over the last month. And year to date, we sit here again as of the 17th. Today's the 18th. Uh, we, we started filming this before the close. Uh, but, you know, we... 
were you know positive by 8.6 percent year to date and the IFA is up almost 11 percent you know IFA so the international Asian. developed yep. markets yeah so you're seeing and the Nasdaq's up 16 percent year to date so a lot of strong returns and really if you go back from those November lows when maybe this new bull market may have started the S&P's up 16 percent uh small caps up you know 24 percent so it's it's really been a bull market that nobody nobody likes and and everybody's calling for you know a recession and we've got to test those those November lows and 3200 is coming in and yet here goes the market just you know punching away at, at you know higher returns and and seeing returns and you know up until the start of um, the month it's really been led by big cap tech and Nvidia's up 84 percent Meta's up 81 percent. Apple's up 27%. These are some of the biggest names in the S&P 500, and you're seeing a lot of um, a lot of performance and, and strong performance out of that. But that shifted even since the month of April started. The S&P, you know, is only up one percent, and I think technology is actually negative by one percent, you know, month to date. Yeah, and, and and as you said, everybody's hating this rally. Cash is at you know, stabilizing. Uh, people aren't putting money in the market. In fact, there's a big exodus of, of, of cash out of, I mean, uh, investments out of equities. Right now, you know, uh, it's, it's at the lowest levels. It's been as far as the relationship between equities and bonds since the global financial crisis. Yeah, you're referring to the Bank of America Global Fund Manager Survey, which just yep. came out. And that was really pessimistic, wasn't it? There, there was a lot of you know, reasons that people just, you know, fund managers just are, are you know, not wanting to be bullish right now. Yeah, and, and contrarian usually is, is a good thing for the market longer term, right? When everybody's all fired up and excited and, and chasing returns and pumping cash into the market, that, that sometimes is an indication that there's too much exuberance and risk may become a four-letter word. Right now, you know, there's there's good things going on in the market. People are, are cautious, being smart about how they're investing. They're being smart about where they're putting their money. So, you know, if you just look at that, that one indicator, things look, look fairly rosy. And, and you, you have some numbers on VIX. Uh, the volatility index is really shaping up to be in a nice, nice sweet spot as well. Yeah, you know, back to the the global fund uh, manager survey. You know, you mentioned the you know equities relative to bonds. You know, the lowest level since the global financial crisis. And why is that contrarian? You know, a lot of people be thinking, well, if everybody's negative, yeah, I'm negative too. Well, these fund managers can only get so negative. You know, if all they're selling is done, and they're not going to be, you know, these big institutional managers aren't putting more sales in every day, then you know you have less less pressure on the downside. Um, so that the fact that they're very pessimistic on the markets, you can only get so so pessimistic before there's a bounce. Right. And now what happens when there is a bounce? These cash on the sidelines comes back in and now you go, you know, chasing returns. So it is, um, you know, it's, it's an impressive feat and it could be another reason to see uh, a, a potential bounce. You talked about the VIX, too. You know, the VIX has been trading, you know, really over the last several months and maybe even last year anywhere from, you know, 18 up to 30, 32. And if you played your cards right and you were, you know, selling when the VIX was at 18 and buying when the VIX was at, at 30, typically you see the VIX falling when the market's going up and, and the VIX is going, you know, when the VIX is low, 
then it's ready to spike again. So now the question is, where are we now? Now we broke through 18. I think we were actually down in the 16, 17 range, which is pretty low. And, you know, from a contrarian, you would say, you know, this is not a good time to be buying, but from a, you know, risk is coming off, maybe it is a good time. So the VIX is a, an interesting indicator, uh, but it definitely has so, shown a lot of risk off right now and, you know, not a lot of volatility. And some of that potentially is around unexpected risk, right, that's out there. A lot of times the VIX will, spe will spike when, you know, you're not ready for something. The, the, the um, Silicon Bank, we weren't ready for a bank collapse like that, you get a spike. Uh, but if the known risks are out there and they're happening, the VIX, you know, is going to trade somewhat normal, normal range. And, you know, maybe earnings season we'll get into in a little bit. But, uh, you know, the VIX right now is is maybe showing a little bit of complacency out there right now. And, you know, that usually is with a market rally, which is exactly what we've seen. And, and I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. There's you can always find people that support bull or bear positions or theories, um, you know, we, we listen to a lot of analysts. Tom Lee is somebody that I really, I enjoy because he's, he's, he's fairly, I'm always optimistic. Permable, they call those guys. Yeah. yeah. And, and he came up with some great statistics uh, looking at really the last two quarters yeah. and what that means for uh, the, the overall trend of the market. We've had two positive quarters. Yep. And that, Over 7%, you know, that yep, doesn't happen quarters, in a bear market. Exactly right. Yeah. It doesn't happen in a bear market. So, I mean, I, I'm not asking you to pull out all the data, but with that perspective of his backdrop and his theory about where we are, what, what can you add? Yeah, no, he just continues to be bullish. He thinks the VIX falling is, is, a, is a bullish indicator. You know, he's their group at Fundstrat, I think they're great. They've pointed to, you know, the first five days of the year and, and what that means. And, you know, essentially what the, I don't have the exact numbers, but it comes out to this year, you know, average return is 26% or some crazy high number. And, you know, he's continuing to be bullish. He was bullish through all of this. Um, you know, he's, I think he's in the minority of the people on Wall Street. Uh, I like Mike Wilson has from Merrill Lynch. He's, he's been great too. He's on the other side of a lot of this. And I listened to one of his podcasts over the, the weekend and you know he's just more on the bearish side uh where and he thinks it's interesting though we could get into earnings maybe here because this is where you know the bears are really digging their feet in on from an earnings standpoint and and you know the numbers on earnings out there aren't particularly good you know right now where we sit fact set um, as of last friday came out with their expectations and, and they're calling for a six and a half percent decline in earnings uh year over year uh for the for the first quarter, that would mark, if that comes in true, that would mark two consecutive quarters of negative earnings. That's an earnings recession, you know? So that's, a lot of people are saying, okay, well, it's only six and a half percent. And then if you look calendar year, they're, they're actually expecting another positive. positive for the year, but negative next quarter. So yeah. second quarter being negative and then positive two. third quarter, fourth quarter with mm -hmm. the strong fourth. And overall, Sandy, do you have the numbers on calendar year? I think it was 0.9. Yeah, just right at 1%. Yeah, so if you get that now, this is where I, I love the markets, and I think this is so fascinating. What are we pricing in, right? Yeah, a, we're nine months out. A recession, right. but yet we're going to have positive earnings growth. Right, we're nine months away, and the market's supposed to be a discounting mechanism. We always talk about that. So is earnings are going to start growing next year? And we eight, what, eight and a half percent analysts have for the fourth quarter. Are we pricing that in and we're going to rally now? 
Or what is the path to get there though? If we were to see earnings continue to decline three quarters in a row, uh, what does that do to GDP? We'll have to see, is that the recession? You know, that path to get to the end of the year, when we start pricing in, um, you know, positive earnings growth next year, but what does that look like? You know, what's gonna happen in, you know, with Q1 earnings, uh, which is gonna be interesting to see. And the other thing on the earnings side, don't forget, a lot of Janet Yellen's comments you referenced earlier, a lot of her comments, you know, people are saying, okay, the, the banking crisis is going to make banks want to lend less, right, which is going to put a strain on small businesses, is going to put a strain on commercial real estate. They're not as eager to, to lend money out there. And if that's true, that that's going to do the Fed's job maybe for them. Uh, side note, why is the Fed raising rates when all this other stuff is happening and they're creating financial stability? I don't know. I don't know why the Fed was buying mortgage-backed securities when houses prices were going up 20%. That's the Fed's deal. Um, but where we sit now... You know, a lot of the earnings that we're going to see now, we're, we're seeing GDP growth expected to be in the 2.5% range for the first quarter. Again, strong growth. Um, the economy's doing all right. But Silicon Valley happened in middle of March. So you we know, really haven't seen that in the, in the numbers. That's not in any of these numbers, is it, Sandy? That's right. that's going to start coming out in second half of March, April, May, you know, maybe June. So we, we got to listen to a lot of the forecasting of what C, uh, CEOs are saying, you know, what, what the consumer's attitudes and that sort of thing. Um, but I found it, I'll be interested in your thoughts on, you know, going back to Janet Yellen's comments. And, you know, she's a former Fed president and now she's in a different role in the White House. Obviously, there's no conflict there, right? Um, so for her to come out and say, oh, wink, wink, I don't think we need any more rate increases because the, the banking crisis, that, that was a little bit odd to me. Yeah, I, did, I was surprised that she was as uh, free with her thoughts on, on that because there is that, there's a bright line, I think, between her role and, you know, Chairman Powell. And it's his job to be really driving that and hers not so much to, to be certainly in the public eye talking about her position, her thoughts. What do you think Biden's thoughts are on all this? You think yeah, he wants another rate hike? Who does who's he visiting with regularly? Yeah, yeah, certainly not Chairman Powell as much as he might be uh, Janet Yellen. Yeah, that independent Fed with an election year coming up next year. Uh, I, I just found that um, I don't disagree. Listen, I don't. Think I agree. It, 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 I think she's right on. Yeah, but it, it wasn't her place, in my opinion, to to broadcast that. Um, you know, there was a more subtle way to do it if she felt so compelled. Yeah, I think it was her way to stop raising rates, guys, you know, yeah. guys and girls at the Fed. Um, you know, while we're on the Fed, we, we could just, you know, they came out Fed minutes a bit, maybe a week ago. And the staff of the FOMC came out and gave a presentation during the last Fed meeting that said they expect a recession. Um, so I, I just, again, I find this really interesting to see Fed staff, Fed meetings, you know, a Fed president was out earlier today saying, you know, I think more rate hikes are the, the economy can handle. The market now is beginning to look at potential for another rate hike, maybe 25, maybe 50 basis points um, on the May 2nd meeting, I believe. Um, so, you know, this is just fascinating that the, the, the all those, what is it? I always hear this number, 300 PhDs or probably more than that working at the Fed. And they're telling you that, oh, yeah, we're going to have a recession. It, it's coming. Well, let's keep raising rates then, you know? Uh, it just, I find that really... Well, I think sometimes they're like a chainsaw when they should be using a scalpel. And and 
you know, talking about inflation, we got some, some I think, encouraging numbers uh, on the inflation front. The uh, PPI index, a few others over the last two or three weeks have really shown that inflation is, is starting to, to recede. And, and supply chain, certainly some other things are also improving that are helping that. But what are your thoughts about interest rates and, and inflation? Yeah, inflation is definitely cooling, right? Now you get into how much is it going to continue to, and I don't think the Fed wants a repeat of what happened, what, in the 70s when, you know, inflation came down, they left their foot off the, the pedal a little bit and, and it jumped right back up. And they're protecting against that to some degree. Uh, I think they've they've done a lot right now. I don't know what the harm is of, of pausing. I think that the fact that inflation um, has come down, the fact that PPI was negative, I think, for the first time since 2020, maybe, mm-hmm. um, with both both Q2, numbers. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that's a good thing. If you let's talk about PPI and CPI right now for a quick second. PPI, the producer price index, that's you know the the, the what the producers are are doing, and then it gets sold, and then the consumer is what you actually pay for it. So if the PPI is cooling. That means that companies, what they're, you know, what they could sell it for, could cool as well. You need to have what producers are are paying to come down first, yep. right? Because they're not going to if PPI is going up, they're not going to turn around and turn it. And you can take only a, pass so much on. Right, exactly. So I think the fact that now the flip side of that is, I think, is is also interesting. Dive deep into the numbers. Why is PPI declining like it is? Is that because companies? are fearful of building up inventory and they're slowing their production and that is slowing it down because they see a recession and they don't want to, you know, overproduce and, and build this, this huge inventory. We know retail got slammed in the last several months because of their inventory and having to, you know, cut, cut profit margins a little bit because of sales and that sort of thing. Um, but I, I think it's very, very encouraging. It was really a, a positive to see uh, PPI and CPI come in as much as it did. Uh, you know, that was one of Tom Lee's things too. You know, you look at, you know, three month, the last three months of CPI, PPI and annualize that out. And that takes away the, those effects of last year when inflation was at its hottest in June, right? You see where's the current, the recent trend. And if that continues, what what does the annualized rate look like? And it's pretty low when you look at that. And that's that's a bullish sign for the economy. But, you know, I think the Fed continues to, you know, want to, they just feel like they want to raise one more time at least, which, you know, even though the data is showing it, why are they, and wages too, wages have slowed a little bit. All this stuff is positive. And it takes it takes months for these rate increases to work their way through the economy. And I, I'm with you. I, I think there's there's a lot of logical uh, reason to for the Fed not to raise rates. Um and, and just be patient, see how things are, are, are adjusting to a higher rate environment. If, you know, if, we go, if they go too far, it's going to take a lot to, 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 get it, to get the economy back humming. So my thinking is if they pause, see what happens, a meeting or two, then they can get back into raising rates if inflation you know, starts to, to move in the wrong direction. By the same token, you know, back full circle to where we started, there's an expectation that rates will probably begin to drop late this year, perhaps more likely next year to make sure the economy continues to hum along. So they, they've got to be very careful at this next meeting, I think. Yeah. And, you know, I just the market just 
calling for this rate cut later this year. You know, we talked about this, I don't know, I feel like all year long. Anybody who's wishing for a, a, a cut in rates later this year, I, I don't know what you're wishing, what, what you think is going to happen to have them cut rates. I mean, because it's, it's, it's got to be, be bad, ugly, yeah. right? I mean, do they really want to look that terrible again? Where after what they did with the whole mortgage deal and, and housing, not too long ago, now we're, we raised rates twice in a banking crisis, and then we're cutting seven, eight, nine months later. I mean, they are only going to cut if they really, really need to. And that has to assume two things, right? One, inflation is still above their, their 2% target. And two, the economy has broken and they need to cut rates to stimulate it. I, I you know, I'm hoping that we don't need to cut rates by the end of the year. I hope inflation's running at, you know, two, three percent and you know, they don't have to cut rates. But the interesting thing there is I guess the argument back to that is, you know, what's the neutral rate, right? And yep. if the Fed has rates at five percent but inflation's running at three percent well, maybe they have to cut rates in that environment anyway, you know, just to not choke the economy off too much. Yeah. They're moving in the right direction. Don't don't be way above where where the the CPI rate is or where the the inflation rate is. Yeah, I've been talking about inflation. One thing that that we've we've seen too is, uh, you know, um, rents have come down. Yeah, and that's a nice sign. Yeah, you and I were talking earlier. It's a nice sign for who, right? Yeah, uh, renters, maybe not landlords. Yeah, you know, all these rental properties have gone up over the last um, several months, years, years, I should say. And um, I saw something out there that, you know, how do you feel if you paid a premium for, you know, rent or for a house right. that you were going to rent out uh, a year ago thinking, oh, I'm going to get, you know, this higher rental increase going forward. And now rents are coming down and in order for you to rent your place, so that's not really a good environment for, you know, somebody who put cash to work and bought bought a house or multifamily property, you know, several a year ago. Now if you've owned it for several years and you've have that that's not gonna hurt you because you have your, your locked in price Probably and rate. Lower rates yeah, too. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, housing is is you know, housing's a fun one to talk about. You know, just that the imbalance of, you know, buyers to, to availability. There's such a demand for housing and it's very, very limited inventory out there. And then you have a lot of the baby boomers that are getting older. They don't want to go and move out of their house. So they're not putting their house up for sale and, and putting the whole um, trajectory of, okay, more inventory is going to hit. More and more 55 plus communities are going up, but these people don't want to move into them yet, a lot of them. you know. So the the in, it's still some pressure. There's a lot of pressure on there. Low inventory, high demand, rates are high. It's it's complicated right now. The housing, um, and it's going to fall more on the big guys, right? You know, the the bigger that have a lot of capital, that have maybe publicly traded builders. Mm -hmm. These smaller builders, they go to the community banks, they go to the small banks for lending to to expand and they may not have the ability to be able to expand that. Uh, so the housing spring season, we're in April, usually a big time for the housing market. Rates have come in a little bit. And if you see some of the housing information that's out there, when, when rates fall, you know, people are flocking pretty quickly. But that's a that's a tough game to play, too, I think, you know, trying to yeah, walk that in. Relative to even if rates fall, relative to where they are now compared to where they were two, three years ago, it's just a different picture. Uh, buyers are having a hard time. You know, like you said, lenders, we will see a tightening there. And then the other part of, of interest rates in real estate, moving from residential to commercial, you know, there are a lot of, a lot of um, commercial 
debt uh, structures are going to be coming due in the next 24 months. And it'll be interesting to see where interest rates are in that cycle and what kind of pressure it puts on uh, real estate deals. Yeah, and commercial real estate is just so dynamic, or there's just so much of it, right? What you're talking about, multifamily potentially, um, but then you've got, or multifamily is attractive, right? Some people can't afford a house, house, so they they have to buy multifamily. Um, then you got these office buildings that this remote work scenario, but now you, Jamie Dimon was out, you know, we could, we could touch on his bank earnings. What a day they had last Friday, but you know, you go to banking, you go to, he wants everybody back in the office, office. right? So, you know, rents are down in New York a little bit, vacancies are up, but people are, are trying to get people back to work. And with a, you know, maybe the labor force is, it's pretty tight right now, but if it loosens at all, people are going to be forced back. So, you know, that's an interesting part of it. Obviously, all the the warehouses, the industrial side of it. They're solid. They're solid, yeah. The malls, remember the malls were dead, what, a decade ago? The malls are, the malls have really held in there somewhat pretty well, um, which I find, you know, kind of interesting as well. I think this industry, we overreact, right, all the time. We, we sell everything. That the malls will never be a mall again. You know, here in Richmond, they're putting a pickleball court, I think, in, in a mall over across town, which is interesting. They'll find us something to do with it. But It's great real estate, great location, great infrastructure. Yeah. Developers will find something to do with it. Yeah, race cars, right, K1. I mean, there's all, all or not race cars, but um, go-karting. I mean, they're finding all kinds of stuff to do. Uh, with these things. So real estate is, continues to, will do okay, although there will be some pressure, I think, on the refinancing will be very interesting to see. I mentioned it. We don't have to spend too much time on it. You had um, JP Morgan come out with earnings last Friday. Uh, the stock was up 7 8% that day. One day alone on their earnings was absolutely fantastic. I don't know why anybody's surprised. The, the, a CEO like Jamie Dimon just continues to run that company really, really well. Um, Flip side of it, though, you know, Goldman didn't have such a... Yeah, interesting. I was going to bring that up, too. In, and I think Goldman is probably more involved in M&A. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. M&A, t- you know, tightened up a little bit with rates where they are. You know, outside of healthcare, there's been some biotech deals, and, and biotech is something that could be a, a pretty good opportunity here. Um, you know, no recommendations, of course, but there's you're seeing there was a big deal earlier this week, I think yesterday, uh, in the biotech industry, some of these bigger healthcare companies are trying to you know grow, and a good way to do that with their free cash flow is to go buy a, a, a biotech company to mm-hmm. distribute. So, you know, but Jamie did a great job at J.P. Morgan. It'll be interesting to see as we get more and more bank earnings out there. And uh, but I think the bigger ones that are really focused on M and A may may just have a little slowdown. We know that that dried up a little bit. The liquidity is not where it was. Uh, I also want to make sure we don't turn this into a you know, an hour-long discussion. So wrapping up, Bobby, what, what do you think the next next thing we should be watching at, watch looking at that we'll be talking about during our next next discussion? Yeah, well, earnings, of course, is something that, that's always, right now we're, we're front and center on it. You know, this week's a, a big week. Maybe 10% of the S&P announces this week and next week will be big. Netflix announced after, you know. Yeah, that, that, that wasn't very yeah, good. Yeah, while we're sitting here talking down 10%, I saw. Who knows, though? Things turn around quick in the aftermarkets. Uh, but, you know, who knows? Uh, you know, I think earnings is something to watch. We obviously have the Fed meeting May 2nd. Uh, we, we've got through the, the inflation numbers that came through la- over the last week, and they were they were a little bit cooler. So I think we got to continue into, into month end, see how we shake out, how the sentiment um, shakes out, and, you know, look at that May 2nd Fed meeting and, and what they end up doing. And, 
how the earnings season uh, finishes up before we get into the old um, May time where it's sell in May, go away. Is that what they say? Yeah, and talking about going away, one thing I bet we'll be talking about too is a little bit more on OPEC and and fuel uh, oil production uh, because of the go away. People are vacationing, travel will pick up. Yeah, speaking of, we could go another hour, right? Uh, the debt ceiling issue that's oh, yeah, going that's Oh, my up. goodness. Talk about something we're going to talk about that I don't really want to talk about. Yeah, exactly. I think I heard today that they're actually going to run out in June, not August. Um, so be be aware over the next 60 days maybe on on what they're going to do there. And, and Mitch McConnell's, you know, he's, he's calculated on what he does, but there's some craziness going on there. And it'll be interesting to see how – the uh we talked about the VIX being low. Yeah. That that might change with some of these political man, some things we just don't want to deal with, right? Yeah. Uh, a default of US debt. But that's something for another day. I don't and, think we want to hit and that. on a, on a high note, I don't think we have to worry about a default, but it it's going to be a political hot potato, a lot of volatility. News is going to be driven significantly, you know, interpretation of words and who's winning the negotiation and what what are they requiring in order to, to put a package together? Yeah, um, and we already know that the house, how, how ruffled that is. That it's everything so tight. So, yeah, let's let's save that for another day. I don't know if I have the energy for that one, but that's something you want to keep an eye on that I don't think the market really has priced in going to the, 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 the 12th hour on that one. But that could be hopefully not entertaining. Hopefully we figure it out and don't have to talk too much about it. Well, this has been great, Bobby. Thanks for, uh, for, for having this. Yeah, great. Thank you, and, and cheers. Cheers. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Beer Markets. For important disclosure information, please visit acgwealthmanagement.com forward slash podcast disclosure.